0: You're listening to Hear Arizona. Addressing issues, empowering our community. Water is important, the key to life. We all know that, and it's everywhere. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in it. 60% of our bodies are made of it. But even still, sometimes we can't find it. And if we can't find it for long enough, we die. And in the desert, water is an especially big deal because the desert is dry. Phoenix gets about seven inches of precipitation a year. The U.S. as a whole gets about 30. And just 0.3% of Arizona is covered in water. That ranks only ahead of New Mexico. So where does our water come from? How do we use it? How can we run out of it? Are we running out of it? And how are all these problems playing out in real people's lives already? We'll try to answer these questions over the next three episodes of Inhospitable. We'll focus on Arizona, but the stories you'll hear are playing out all over the country. We'll talk to scientists, an archaeologist, a politician, indigenous Americans whose roots in this land go back thousands of years, and people in a town embroiled in water controversy. We'll look at water from the ancient past to possible futures, from the big and technical picture to the personal.
1: Right now, we're not being good stewards of water. Water is life. Well, you
2: know what they say, whiskey's <laughs> for drinking and water's for fighting. So
1: It's not
0: sustainable in any sense of the word.
2: Current
1: irrigation systems that we deal with in the valley are a blip in time compared to the HOCOM.
3: In the mid 20th century, Arizonans paid no heed to
1: water. We have 3,000 years of replication, but they want scientific validation behind those. Secure Arizona's water future for the next 100 years.
0: But first, a 30-year-old guy who really loves his job. Hey, Jace. How's it going, man? Good, how are you? We're at the headquarters of Jace Miller's family business. Come
1: on in. Sorry, the office is a bit of a mess. Right, no problem.
0: The business is called Triple M. Triple M for the three Millers that work there now. Jace, his father, and his grandfather. Its roots go back 100 years in Arizona. You know, I
1: love my job. It's, it's the greatest way of life. I mean, it's the best profession in the world, in my opinion.
0: And how many employees do you have right now?
1: You know, typically we run 20 to 25. Um, this year is kind of going to be a telltale. We're going to cut back our, our equipment for sure and possibly our workforce, our labor force. I hope not to. I love all my employees. I've got everybody from every walk of life that works for me. We're doing everything we can to cut as many corners to keep all of our employees on the payroll. Tip
0: Jace's family business is arguably the oldest job known to human civilization. Without it, there is no society as we know it. Yet, I'll admit, it's not something I personally have given much thought to at all.
1: How many times in a year do you call the police department? Hopefully, if you're fortunate, you rarely do. Same thing with a doctor. You might have to go once a year for a checkup, but you walk, get up every day and walk to your refrigerator in your pantry at least two to three times a day. And you can thank farmers and ranchers for that.
0: Triple M is Triple M Farms. I drove an hour south of Phoenix near the town of Casa Grande to meet Jace Miller because his story shows us how the way we have been managing water for generations isn't going to work anymore. There are lots of reasons for that. Environmental, political, cultural. But one thing seems pretty clear. Something has to change.
1: I go to bed every night and I wake up every day going What the hell are we doing? Are we going to be able to do this anymore?
0: Farming is in Jace's blood. His great-great-grandfather came to Arizona in 1917 and started a farm in Gilbert. Four generations later, and Jace is still doing it. But that 100-year run is at risk of ending now. Triple M Farms is losing access to its most important resource, water.
1: All I know is if surface water cannot come back to Pinal County Um, Within the next five to 10 years, the landscape of Pinal County will be drastically changed. Mm -hmm. And for the
0: negative. Starting in 2022, farmers in Pinal County, where Triple M operates, are being forced to drastically reduce their consumption of Colorado River water. That's what Jace means when he says surface water. In 2023, they're being cut off from this water supply completely. And that poses an existential risk to the agriculture industry there.
1: But I'm concerned about my family, you know. And as well as uh, um, all my employees, you know, I've I've actually got um, families that work for me literally. And I and I'm concerned about their wives and their husbands and their kids.
0: One 2020 study found that if the world continues warming so quickly, then by 2070, one third of the people on the planet will be forced to move to another place. We've heard about climate migrants, but it can be a little hard to picture what that looks like. Losing your home and way of life because of how the climate is changing. But that really is exactly what Jace is facing now. And losing farming to him would be a lot more than just losing a job. It's an
1: amazing way of life. It's one of the I, I would rather die than not farm. I love this industry, I love this job. It's 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 the most fulfilling, amazing thing in the world.
0: Agriculture and water are intrinsically connected because the farmers that produce our food and support a significant portion of the state's economy use most of the state's water. More than 70% of Arizona's water supply goes to agriculture. So when water gets tight, people naturally look to agriculture to cut back. And that puts farmers' livelihoods and the communities they support at risk of falling apart.
1: Because that's the thing, I think, People, if they got to have the whole ambience of how we live, they'd really understand it. And they go, man, it's kind of, because everything, it's a tight-knit community. It's like family. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we have a a huge connection to the land. We have a huge connection to to the planet and to the people.
0: From here, Arizona, this is Inhospitable. I'm Anthony Wallace. So why is Jace getting cut off from his critical source of water? Yeah, could we start just uh, for the sake of the recorder, introduce yourself?
2: Sure, my name is Chuck Cullum. I'm the Colorado River Programs Manager for the Central Arizona Project.
0: The mighty Colorado River. It starts high up in the Rocky Mountains before it travels 1,400 miles. It cuts spectacular canyons in Utah, then the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and drains finally into the Gulf of California in Northern Mexico. But these days, barely any water makes it that far. For the past 100 years or so, people in the West have built enormous dams and reservoirs along the river. These dams hold up the water so we can use it for drinking, agriculture, and power. 40 million people in Arizona, California, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming rely on the river. And that does not include more people in Mexico who use it. That's how the river earned its nickname the lifeline of the Southwest.
2: So about 80% of Arizona's population uses Colorado River water in some fashion.
0: The Central Arizona Project, also known as CAP or CAP, is a massive system of canals, tunnels, pumping plants, and pipelines that channels the river to the 80% of the state that relies on it. And as you might expect, the river is not a free-for-all among all the states that use it. Sometimes the federal government plays referee, In the 1960s, the Supreme Court settled years of fighting between California, Nevada, and Arizona about how much water they could each take from the river, establishing clear annual allotments for each state. That agreement was actually the key to getting CAP done. But Arizona conceded something key in order to reach a deal with California. The federal government can declare a shortage when the water levels in the reservoir reach such a low point that we have to limit how much we take from them, and if and when that happens... Arizona agreed to bear the brunt of the problem. California's Colorado River supply would have priority over Arizona's. So what that means is...
2: That Arizona is more vulnerable to the impacts of drought and shortage than other states in the, in the system.
0: That matters now because in recent years, the lifeline of the Southwest has been drying up. And it might not be for exactly the reason you think. Here's a very brief sketch of how the river works.
2: For the Colorado River... We're a snow-dominated system, which means that probably 70, 60 to 70 percent of the annual water supply is derived from snow, snowpack accumulation.
0: Snow falls high up in the Rocky Mountains. When it heats up in the summer, it melts and runs off the mountains into the river. So now we're in the middle of what some experts call a mega drought. So there's less precipitation falling from the sky into the river. Climate change can make the drought worse, and that's bad. But of course, it's also raising the temperature, and that, actually, is a very big part of the problem.
2: Dominantly in the Colorado River, the impacts we see of climate change are temperature-driven.
0: The heat makes the soil drier. So when the water runs over it, a lot of it soaks into the ground and never makes it to the river. Colum said last year the Rockies got a decent amount of snow, 70% of the normal amount. But the river only got one-third of its normal amount of runoff water.
2: Because it was warmer in the spring, we had early um, leaf out of trees and shrubs and grasses, and that sucked up moisture that would normally make it to the stream. So what we're seeing is the temperature increases from climate change are amplifying the impacts of a reduction in precipitation, which is what we typically think of as drought.
0: As the climate prevents water from reaching the river, water levels in the major reservoir Lake Mead slowly but surely drop. And Cullum has been watching this closely. He's a scientist, a hydrologist, and a geologist. And for the past 15 years or so, his career has been largely about monitoring this situation and predicting when a shortage might occur. On top of that, Cullum and his colleagues have worked with people and governments in other states in Mexico to do whatever they can collaboratively to keep water in the reservoir.
2: Those uh, combined actions have fought off uh, the decline in Lake Mead, but the hydrology has continued to uh, deteriorate and in 2022 we will have the first ever uh, declared
0: shortage.
1: It's official. Water cuts are coming. The federal government today declaring the first ever water shortage at Lake Mead.
0: In August of 2021, Lake Mead reached an all-time low level, filled to just 35% capacity. And the federal government declared a shortage. And thanks to that California deal, that means CAP water is being cut back in a big way. And if the water levels continue to drop, the cutbacks will escalate. So I only
1: can speak as Jay Smiller, as a farmer in Arizona, but if this happens on the level it's going to happen, it will ruin a lot of people's lives. It'll ruin guys, people like mine's life. Everything we've worked for and busted our ass and, 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 and toiled over for generations
0: The Central Arizona project water that farmers in Pinal County like Jace have relied on is categorized as low priority. That means that now that the federal government has declared a shortage, that water is the first to get cut off. Right now, I'm riding in Jace's truck. It's a scenic drive. There's homes dotted around the landscape, but it's mostly fields and pristine desert. The water debate sometimes gets framed as urban versus rural, cities versus farms and the cities are growing fast using more and more water. Jace can get a little worked up talking about it, and I understand why. The way he sees it, he's suddenly being drastically cut off from water this year while a lot of people at home in the cities don't notice a thing.
1: I want this water deal to be equal. If the farmers are getting cut back five to 10 to 20%, let's see these metropolitan areas cut. And I'm not meaning take water out of people's homes. We have to keep people You know, living comfortably and healthy and safely. But maybe go, just go to a town and go, hey, you guys got a thousand swimming pools that each hold 20 to 30,000 gallons. No more. Not for now. Is that ideal? No, it's not ideal. And I don't want to see that. But at the same time, everyone should have to play their part equally. You know, it gets tough for lack of a term carrying somebody. It's like when you got a team full of people that are inadequate and you got one star, it gets old trying to carry the team.
0: Away from the city, it's quiet and expansive. Way off in the distance, you can see Picacho Peak and the Superstition Mountains.
1: The good thing is Arizona's, in my opinion, truly majestic and beautiful. So you don't, you really don't want to move. No, no, that's like a last resort option, and and you know it might not even be an option if we run out of water and things get bad enough. It, we might not have the means and the money and the and the and the luck to. Uh, be able to go somewhere else I might have to get a job as you know and hell I don't know go be a truck driver or deliver mail or something else you know why do you love farming so much you know I could probably talk on that for days and weeks on end but like when when we go to buy a, a piece of machinery we know those guys we've dealt with them I've got one salesman really good friend of mine he has sold equipment to four generations of my family. Um, So there's a personal camaraderie in this ag industry that it's it's amazing and it's massive. It's, you know, there's just a lot of personal interaction and I love that.
0: Uh, As we drove around, it seemed like Jace knew everyone on the highway, like the whole town was his family. That social support makes the hard work easier and farming is a lot of different kinds of hard work.
1: If I get burnt out, and it happens, you know, I get tired of running around the truck and keeping charge over everybody, I, I can take a day or two and I can go drive a tractor, clear my head. That's the funnest thing a, a farmer gets to do, you get to go, you know, play in the dirt. I can go spend a week in the shop repairing equipment, building things. I can go, we've got semis. I can go be a truck driver for a day or two. Um,
0: so It's like a lot of different stuff to do.
1: There is. There's, no, there's a great variety and it kind of breaks up the monotony of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I, I pity people that have to go sit in an office every day. I, my hat's off to them because I couldn't do it. You know, there's something about being out in the air and being outside.
0: If the water situation takes the farm away, it'll take away the only way of life Jace has ever really known.
1: When I was 10 years old, I started working for my dad, uh, running a uh, hay rake on an old John Deere tractor raking hay. Uh took a tractor to prom when I was a, s- a senior in high school. It was super cool. The school was just kind of erratic about it. They thought it was neat. Um,
0: it's, it's always a- been a big part of your identity in your life.
1: Well, I would say it is my identity to me. I mean, that's how I treat it, is without this, I couldn't really tell you what kind of person I am.
0: Jace wants to be a kind of farmer ambassador, talking to people about what they do and bridging the gap between city and agriculture. Jace made me feel better about being farm ignorant when he told me that some of the people he interacts with think of food as magically appearing in a grocery store. But he said that even when people acknowledge farmers' existence, he still sometimes feels a little misunderstood.
1: I am sh- I know you've seen it, everyone has. American Gothic, the picture of yeah, the, the bald baby, guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what everyone thinks a farmer is. Some oaky, you know, with a pitchfork that... You know, oh, you young It's like, no, we're people. I mean, you know, hell, I, I have hobbies, I like multiple kinds of music and cinema, you know. I'd like to think I'm a fairly okay, decently well-spoken person, I, you know. I'm...
0: Triple M Farms works on a number of different fields in the area. Some of them they lease, and some of them are owned by other farmers. They just pay Jace's company to harvest their crops. He showed me some of the fields and equipment. I've always lived in the city, and in my mind, farming has always been something that's happened in the pretty countryside, far out of sight from my day-to-day life. So getting up close to it for the first time, I was impressed. There are tractors that have GPS in them and essentially autopilot. A little screen in the cabin shows you the crop line on the field and steers the tractor to stay on it. There's a laser leveling system. This device sits in the field and communicates wirelessly with a leveler that's attached to the tractor. And it makes the field perfectly flat, so the irrigation water is used as efficiently as possible.
1: The industry is thriving on a technological standpoint, and a lot of that's drove out of necessity. The only way we're surviving is because we are cutting as much out, trimming as much of fat off as we can.
0: A lot of what Triple M Farms grows is alfalfa and other grasses that become hay, which gets eaten by animals, like cows. And all those crops take a lot of water. But Jay said it's not as simple as switching to less water-intensive crops, like vegetables. His whole business and millions of dollars of equipment is finely tuned to churning out hay. And hay is profitable and stable, where vegetables can be more boom or bust. Farmers all across Pinal County will certainly cut back their production, let some fields go brown that otherwise be green, but no one can say for sure how the cut in surface water will play out there. Jace called 2022 a grand experiment.
1: We don't know what's gonna happen, and 2030 is gonna be worse, and then there's no telling what's gonna happen.
0: And part of the reason why he and others in Pinal County are so dependent on Central Arizona Project water is because they are limited in how much water they can pump out of the ground with wells. Groundwater is in limited supply, and in Pinal County, there are strict regulations about how much you can pump.
1: The one thing is we gotta be more proficient with our water and we need to find more of it. One area where our work clearly isn't done is on water.
0: In January, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey gave his most recent State of the State address. One strategy Jace talked about to get more water in the Southwest is an idea to build a cross-country pipeline to pump water from the Mississippi River to the Colorado. It might sound a little out there, but proponents point out that we build pipelines for fuel and this wouldn't be so different. In May, the Arizona legislature sent a letter to Congress urging them to determine the project's feasibility. But that is not the alternative water source that D.U.C. is talking about here.
1: Instead of just talking about desalination, the technology that made Israel the world's water superpower, how about we pave the way to make it actually happen?
0: Desalination is a way to take water from the biggest supply of them all, the ocean. Basically, you suck it out, remove the salt, and pump it into the water supply. Ducey is referring here to a proposal in which Arizona, Nevada, California, the federal government of the U.S., and the government of Mexico would collaborate to build desalination plants in northern Mexico. The idea is... Everybody chips in for the plant, Mexico uses its water, and then gives some of its Colorado River water to Arizona and some of the other U.S. states involved in the project.
1: And we propose that we make a historic investment, $1 billion. Our goal? Secure Arizona's water future
0: for the next 100 years. (laughs) But desalination is far from a silver bullet. It's expensive. This plant would cost between 3 and $4 billion upfront and then require a lot of energy to keep it running. It also leaves large quantities of a very salty byproduct called brine, which has to be disposed of somehow, and that causes environmental concerns. And finally, this particular desalination plant would only cover one-sixth of the water shortage that Mexico and southwestern states are projected to face by 2035. Generally, do you consider yourself optimistic that Arizona or even the the human race will figure out how to be efficient enough with our water to continue on as, as we have been and grow the food that we need?
3: I am. I'm very optimistic because we have a... Uh, a set of tools. There are five tools. Conservation, reuse, desalination, price signals, and market
0: forces. This is Robert Glennon. He's a water expert who's worked at the University of Arizona and written and spoken about water issues all over the world. And water conservation, one of Glennon's five tools, is a big one. And it's something we can all do.
3: If your listeners were to stop using their food disposal, they could save if they run that food disposal a couple of minutes a day, by the end of the month they've spent, a, they've used 150 gallons of water to get rid of food scraps. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something very few people even think about. And yet 150 gallons is, you know, times a lot of people. You're talking real water. Yeah, so I, I'm very optimistic. It, re, it will require the political will and the moral courage to act.
0: Robert Glennon is clear that farmers should cut back too, but he's also clear that we need them.
3: You know, the farmers have been miracle workers, Mm. but you know, UN studies say that our current population of 7.6 billion is likely to rise to 9.6 by 2050. And the question asks itself, how are we gonna find the resources, including water to supply, a world of almost 10 billion people. Mm-hmm. So we need rural communities to be vibrant and strong and productive if we're going to avoid just a horrible human tragedy.
0: By the time Jason and I got back to HQ, the sun was setting over the mountains and barn.
1: Oh, yeah, it's beautiful down here.
0: He shows me the old tractors on display in front of the office, and he can talk about tractors all day long.
1: This first one is a 1936 John Deere Unstyled A, unstyled meaning the front grill. See, that one has a radiator shroud.
0: Jace lives right there next to the office with his wife and brand-new baby boy. He wants him to be the sixth-generation miller farming in Arizona.
1: But you know what? It's one of those things... uh, And I'm optimistic, but I'm also a realist. I don't think we're gonna win the fight. You know, I don't think the water tap will get turned on. I think we're gonna slowly fade away and and whatever ag's left in 50 to 100 years is gonna be more corporate or government owned and it's not gonna have the ambiance. Doesn't mean I'm not gonna try, you know. At least I hope, I want my son and my grandkids one day to go, oh, you know, dad or grandpa tried and he fought it to the end and he really, really gave it his all.
0: On part two of this inhospitable water series, we visit a town not too far from Tucson that's kind of become the wild west of water. No Colorado river water reaches the area, so everyone's competing for a piece of the underground ocean there that's shrinking fast. And there's no rules about how fast you can suck it up. You know what they say, (laughs) whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting, so. And we'll look at how big agriculture business, those much more sprawling and powerful than Jace's, impact the environment and the people who live in the places they operate. Thank you so much for listening. And to be sure you don't miss our future episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. This water series is a collaboration with the 10 Across Initiative. They focus on the future of the U.S. by looking at the most pressing issues in the southernmost states of the country. From California to Louisiana to Florida, those places are where water issues are most extreme. If this episode sparked your curiosity or inspired you to take action yourself, you can find more information on the organizations we profiled and the issues they face on our website, herearizona.org. That's H-E-A-R Arizona. There, you can also find our other podcast series on the most pressing challenges our state faces, like homelessness, aging, and funding for the arts. One of the best ways to support our community-based solutions journalism is to tell your friends about it. They can search for Here Arizona on their favorite podcast listening app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR One, Spotify. And since we're all about empowering our community, we want you to be a part of the conversation. Follow Here Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This podcast series is made possible by grants from the Nina Mason Poliam Charitable Trust and the Arizona Community Foundation. Here Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes SunSounds, Spot 127, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was reported, written, scored, and hosted by me, Anthony Wallace. Linda Pastori is our executive producer.